We're in a new series in 1 Corinthians over the next few weeks. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? What does it mean for their day-to-day life? What does it mean for the future? Well, come along with us and see how Paul answers that question over the next few weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you not know who you are? There's lots of ways in our world that your identity shapes your actions. Just think of uh, Prince William, for instance. Uh, Prince William must behave in a way that communicates a message to the rest of the world. Something his brother didn't learn in time. Uh, school people, uh, in their uniform, they must behave in a way that best represents their school. Or the head teacher gets involved. Do you not know who you are? So that is the question that's going to resonate all the way through our text tonight. What about us? Now we're in the bit of 1 Corinthians that focuses on the weight. Uh, back in our first week, we saw this as the structure of the letter. Uh, chapters 1 to 4 of 1 Corinthians are dealing with the call. Uh, what happened when Paul came to Corinth and preached the gospel? Was it just a good speaker giving a great talk? Well, no, it wasn't. It was God calling you into the fellowship of the Son. Right at the start of the timeline. And then chapters 5 to 11 are all about the wait. Before we get to chapter 15, which is all about Jesus' return. So chapters 5 to 14 are all about the wait. They're all about the time that we find ourselves in now as well. And that is a time that entails something. Because of who you are, because you've been called into the fellowship of the Son, your behaviour should be affected as you wait for Jesus' return. 
all of those who've been called into the fellowship of the Son are now in solidarity. They are joined with Jesus and they represent Jesus to the rest of the world. You are his temple. You are his body. And that body is where everything is heading. That body is going to last forever. Now, our passage this evening might feel like we've changed topics. But if you remember last week, we were thinking bigger. We were thinking church and world separation. And this evening, this passage is going to help us to dive into why that's crucial. Uh, we started to see that last week. Do you remember the boats? Our boats should be in the water, but water should not be in the boats. Well, these chapters, 5, 6, 7, are making the point that the church and the world are distinct. They are separate. The church is in the world, but worldliness, the actions of the world, should not be in the church. And the big issue for Corinth, for the Corinthians, is that they don't get that. You see, the Corinthians, they think the church is, well, just another thing in their calendar. And the question this passage asks us this evening is, well, do we get that? Do we understand what church, what we're doing here, what it really is? In fact, here's a way of thinking about it. You can see what people think by what they think is happening as we do church. As we attend church on a Sunday, as we have members meetings, as we meet during the week, do we know who we are? You see, if you think that we are just part of the world, then those things all become optional. Those things all become, well, they can become a chore. Uh, those things are just things in a sea of other things. Perhaps the only difference between going to growth group and going to play darts in the pub is that the coffee is better in someone's house. And when we don't show up to the things, when we don't prioritise them, when we end up doing something else instead, we're actually saying something. We are saying to our friends, to our family, to our neighbours, the church is just part of the world. It's just like a book group or a support club. It's something that I do when I want to, rather than something that I am. You see, that is what's going on in Corinth here. But if we do get what Paul is saying, it changes how we think about that whole thing. Church becomes something that I am part of, something that is going to last into eternity, something that is not something I simply do, but something that I am. God's temple in the world. So to embrace the fellowship of the Son is to declare to the world that this thing here is vital. This thing here is important. It is significant. It speaks volumes about how you understand yourself. So do you not know who you are? Paul is urging the Corinthians to understand their identity as God's temple, distinct from the world. Distinct from the world because their destination, their position and their path are totally different. There are three times this passage when Paul asks the question, do you not know? And every time we hear that question this evening, we should be reflecting on whether we know that or not. Because if we grasp Paul's message, we're going to judge things correctly. But this whole section of 1 Corinthians revolves around judgment. The Corinthians, remember, they failed to judge sin in the church last week. This week, they're seeking worldly judgment. And we're going to see that's misguided. Only down at verse 1 of chapter 6. If any of you has a dispute with another, 
Do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgments instead of before the Lord's people? Now I need to put a big, big warning at this point. I need you all to listen really carefully. Blinking lights, neon. This passage is not, hear me saying this, it is not rejecting lawyers. This passage here is not advocating for an alternative law system. Uh, this passage is definitely not, definitely not an excuse for covering up abuse in the church. It's been used that way multiple times through the years. That is not what it is doing. This passage is about recognising our identity as part of the fellowship of the Son and letting that shape our relationship with each other. There's the warning out of the way. You are God's temple. The point is, live like it. Let's look down at verse 7. Uh, the Corinthians here, they are wronging and cheating each other. And they're taking each other to court over it. Have a look at verse 2. They're taking each other to court over trivial cases. The Corinthians are acting, they're thinking like the world. They are wronging, they are cheating each other. And then they're taking each other to court over it. You see, the point here isn't about criminal cases. The point here is about prioritising the me over the we. I mean, it's the Corinthians puffing themselves up again, seeking to put themselves up here and make sure that everyone else is below them, suing people down, cheating them to get higher, wronging their church family and doing it publicly, whilst making sure that the world out there knows what's going on. Look how good I am. Look how rubbish everyone else here is. Look at me, world. So to address this, Paul gives us three diagnostic questions to help them and to help us get what's happening. So the first one this evening, do you know or do you not know where things are going? Do you not know where things are going? Have a look at verse two. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? So what Paul is saying, you've got it the wrong way round. Paul says emphatically, trying to correct their perspective, the Lord's people are going to judge the world. So why would you get the world to judge God's people? Now Paul here is pointing the Corinthians to where things are going. He is steering their vision ahead. In fact, we've seen where Paul is taking them to. He's taking them to a book of the Bible called Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel writes... That when God's kingdom comes, then the sovereignty, power, greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. That's the shock of Daniel 7. When you think the kingdom's going to be given to the one like Adam, the son of man, it gets given to God's holy people. Now, Ronald Wayne is not a household name, but he was the third co-founder of a little company in 1976 called Apple Computers. He was the oldest of the two, the two risky ones on the side, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. He was persuaded to join this, this upstart for a return of 10% of the company's shares. 12 days after accepting that, he sold them back to the company for $800. Do you know how much those would be worth today? $95 billion. 
$95 with nine zeros on the end. It's Ronald Wayne there in the middle. Knew where the future was going, Ronald Wayne would be a very well-off household name. If he knew the future, it would have changed the decisions he made. It would change his focus. Shall I say that to point out that we do know where history is going? And so it should make a change to the decisions we make now. Remember Daniel 7 is talking about the future. That is our future. It should change where we place our focus now. The church is God's plan for the world. And so it can't be a part of this world. It has to be so much more. See, as we gather for members meetings, we're part of something that lasts into eternity. Uh, in a growth group, we are meeting with others destined to have all power and the greatness of the kingdoms under heaven handed to them. As a church, we are going to judge the world. Do you not know who you are? Do notice this in the future, though. We are not in the judging phase yet. Instead, remember last week, our job is to hold out salvation to the world, to bring the world to the church. But taking things that should be handled internally, matters that should be dealt with in grace and forgiveness amongst brothers and sisters of God's household, using the world's justice to deal with each other is the wrong way around. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. This is not criminal cases. That is not what Paul is talking about here. If authorities need to be involved in a situation, authorities should be involved. But the point is this. Treating others in our church family wrongly, or cheating each other, or using the world's justice so that I get what I think I deserve, is wrong. Just look around. Go on. Just look at each other. These are our brothers and sisters that we're going to share eternity with. So do you not know where things are going? If so, behave accordingly. It's always awkward when someone looks at each other, isn't it? Second diagnostic question, verses three to eight. And that is this, do you not know your position? Now, Paul asks a, a intriguing question here. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Perhaps that's never crossed your mind. But actually, that is a biblical understanding of humanity's position. We are destined to rule creation with our saviour, even over the angels themselves. Yet Paul's real emphasis lies in the second part of that sentence. So he says, how much more the things of this life? You see, the Corinthians, in going to the world out there, are saying that wisdom is not found in here. They're saying wisdom's out there. And if you remember back to 1 Corinthians chapters 1 to 4, that is a foolish, that is a perishing thing to say. And Paul thinks so too. Look at verse 5. They should be ashamed. See, the Corinthians, they think they're wise, but they're betraying that in going to the world out there to deal with the petty matters in the church. One brother takes another to court, and that in front of unbelievers. And what's that going to look like to the world out there? We're going to see this more and more as we go through this letter, but the church is on public display. The church is how God shows his wisdom to the world. See, God's intent is that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in their heavenly realms. Or you could say the angels are watching. And 
the world is watching. And the world is especially watching when you bring your dirty laundry into the open. See, how we behave shows who we think we are. The Corinthians are the opposite of hyacinth buckets. Or should I say hyacinth bouquet? Do you know what I mean? See, they haven't grasped that their true position actually is glorious. But how the Corinthians behave reveals a misunderstanding of their collective identity. They are seeking individual exaltation rather than recognising the exaltation they have together as God's temple already. They individually want to be the top dog and so they are willing to step on each other to get up there. Paul says here, if they were truly understood their position, they'd be willing to be wronged. They'd be willing to endure being cheated. They'd be willing to address such matters within the family of believers. We thought a bit about church discipline last week, but that comes in against here. You see, the, the thing with church discipline is that it should involve the least amount of people possible for the least amount of time possible. Let me say that again. Church discipline should involve the least amount of people possible for the least amount of time possible. See, we're going to court is the complete opposite. Things that Corinthians are going to court over should have been dealt with one-to-one. There should be mediation instead of litigation. Paul is calling for a deep overhaul of our value system. Instead of thinking, I must be exalted above everyone else, we should be thinking, I'm part of a body and care for it in a loving way. It means thinking of we instead of thinking of me. Do you not know your position? If so, act like it. And finally, Paul asks, verses 9 to 11, do you not know the world's fate? He asks, it's quite clear, verse 9, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, when Paul says wrongdoers here, he's using the same word he used back in verse 1 for ungodly. Ungodly and wrongdoers are the same. Just notice that is not the Corinthians. That is not a Christian. A Christian is not an ungodly person. To be ungodly is a status. It's an identity that Paul is talking about here. To be ungodly is a status, an identity that is tied to the world. It is what someone who looks at you would identify you as, the defining characteristic of your life. And you see the list there in verse 10. Do you see, each one of those is an identity. Those who are defined by worldliness will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says. Kingdom of God, there is a a Daniel phrase. We are looking forward to that day, Daniel 7. Paul is looking to the future. But his point in this section is saying this. Remember, who you are affects what you do. But what does Paul say about the Corinthians? Have a look at verse 11. Verse 11 is key, the whole of this. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Just clock that for a minute. Really focus on those words. You see, there were people in the church of Corinth who were defined by these things. 
But what does Paul say here? Paul says they were washed. They were sanctified. They were justified in the name of Jesus. As they were called, they were set apart for temple service. That language Paul is using here to be washed, to be sanctified or to be made holy is what happens in the Old Testament before someone can approach God in the temple. And you see, that is what has happened to all believers. That is what Jesus has done by the Spirit to the Corinthians. That is what Jesus by the Spirit has done for us. We have been set apart for God's work. We are God's temple. And so if you are defined by anything in verse 10, well, you're going against who you are. You cannot be this and be part of the fellowship of the Son. You see, the two things, they don't go together. Your identity should affect your behaviour. And your behaviour says something about your identity. Those things are in the past. That is what some of you were. Those things that define the world out there are not things that should define the church in here. You are now defined by the call. You are now defined as part of the fellowship of the Son. The Corinthians, they care about being right now. And they care about the world knowing it now. True Christians should care about being right on Judgment Day and God declaring it so the world knows it then. So if you're heading for the kingdom, don't act like you're not. Be who you've been called to be. Do you not know the world's fate? If so, well, get on the right side. When you see all of that adds up to this big question, do you not know who you are? Why would you let the world have the power of judgment? Why would you let the world define who you are? Do you not know who you are? Because we are not simply part of the world. Yes, God's temple, the fellowship of the Son, is in the world, but it is not of the world. To act like the world, to act like individuals trying to one-up each other is not who you are. Like Prince William, or wearing a school uniform. Who you are makes your actions matter. And your identity affects what you do. And what you do speaks volumes about who you think you are. The Corinthians, they are on a quest for personal empire and dominion. But they're misunderstanding the Christian life. And we could do the same. We could fall into the trap of thinking we are solo players. That we are islands competing for resources. But if we do that, we're radically misunderstanding the Christian life. Do you not know who you are? We've been called into the fellowship of the Son. We are now joined with Jesus. We are his representatives in the world. We are his temple. We are his body. And we're going to see as this letter finishes, that is where everything is going. So that should affect everything we do. Why would you want to be like the world when that is who you are? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Any questions can come to podcast email podcast at david-couch.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.